0: Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, a European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Riccardo Silvestre. Today I'll be speaking with Nicolae Stefanauta. Nico is a member of the European Parliament for Romania, part of the Delegation for Relations with the United States, and is a graduate of Georgetown University McCord School of Public Policy. Nico has several other interests that we touch upon during this conversation, but the podcast is mostly about the impeachment process going on in America and how that affects the European Union. I have Nick Stefanalto here with me. Nico, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here, Ricardo. Well, before we start into the main topic of, of our conversation, which is something that has a particular interest to the European Union right now because it is one of our uh, most important partners, the United States of America, and what's going on right now with the impeachment inquiry and also with, at the moment we're recording this podcast, the possibility of having impeachment articles. I want you to introduce yourself to our our audience. How did you get interested in politics? How did you get to the European Union? And uh, then, the interest about relations in the United States, other things that you may be interested in. So feel free to tell us everything.
1: Sure. I'm a, a young politician who used to be an official of the EU, somebody who was a diplomat for many years. I love international affairs. I studied it, as you mentioned, it in uh, Georgetown and other places. So I'm somebody who's been always passionate about European integration, about international relations. So I'm, I'm one of those Romanians who do not like to stay home, but like to travel around, become true Europeans. And I stepped into politics three years ago when I realized that after many, many years of just being uh, in, the, in the back, you know, I could have more power and more influence. By the way, if you will hear my dog barking, will that ruin our show or not?
0: No, actually, I want to have his opinion, his or her opinion about the impeachment. <laughs> her opinion. <so. laughs> Lola, she,
1: she gets extremely jealous with my uh, using time for everything else.
0: Well, maybe, maybe you can ask her what she thinks about President uh, Trump.
1: <laughs> so, as I said, three years ago, I t- took the decision to get into politics because I realized I could have more of a say. And I joined this new party in Romania called Union to Save Romania. I know it might sound bombastic, but it's important. And in Romania, really, there was a feeling of needing to save. So it was like this party made of new young people who weren't in politics before, dedicated to the cause, changing, wanting to turn uh, the country upside down, no more corruption, uh, more European values, that sort of thing. And that's where I still am. I'm the vice president of that party right now and a member of the European Parliament from 26th of May, thanks to all of you young people who went to the vote that day.
0: You just said that you were a Romanian that didn't like to stay at home but what took you to then have part of your life going on in America?
1: So I think my, my whole story is about values. I always liked the you know the free entrepreneurship, the liberty, the, the, the drive that was behind the idea of America. So I, I first time I crossed the ocean was in high school already I went there uh, to study for a year then I came back later. Uh, for a master 's, and then even later for my job being an eu diplomat in Washington, so it was that, and now I see that 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 core <clears throat> principle being under threat in a way, both here and there. you know um, the whole idea of freedoms of rule of law of all of that seems to be under threat uh, nowadays and i 'm re- referring to the momentous year of two thousand and sixteen with all these changes that it brought to the politics of Europe and America.
0: But you do also have a, a keen interest in the environment and you just mentioned that that is p- part of the, your job at European Union. That is also coming from a, something that is more recent in your life or also that is something that has always been in your mind?
1: Look, Ricardo, I think the environment is the number one threat to our security. Uh, climate changes. because. Any other change you can rank out there has not the momentous and the, the explosive effect that that a dramatic climate change has on the planet, on our security, on migration flows, on everything you want. So that is my interest for the environment is, is related to to my desire for a safe and uh, and uh, prosperous European continent, you know, and I I see it. When I travel, and um, you know, just before the holidays, I, I had a speech in the Environment Committee in the Parliament, and I said, "Now we're all going to go home, but the extreme weather events will happen, floods. Um, there, there will be a, a fire, a fires in in our in our forests. There will be a, a other extreme events, and none of us is rich enough to deal with it on its own. So I think." The environment is one policy where I see only a European response possible. I mean, you saw it in Sweden. You saw it in Greece. You saw it in other places where you would think, oh, they can handle it. They, they couldn't. They, we need to pool resources together. Even Romania sent airplanes, you know, to, 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 these, uh, to these places. We need to pool resources together. We need to act together. We need more European money on this um, because, because it's coming, because it's here, and because it's important.
0: Those are great points, because if you don't spend the money now, we'll have to spend it way more in a couple of years from now. Um, This is a fascinating conversation, and I will ask you to come to the podcast again soon, that we can talk more about climate change. But today we will be talking about what's going on with our neighbors from across the Atlantic and of course, the United States of America. And here I should start with a disclaimer, and I know that Nico uh, identifies with this. Our listeners from my accent all this podcast, they already understood that I have an American accent, and that is because I'm an European that also lived in America, and I'm also very interested in that country for many reasons. And of course, Nico, I'm very worried with what's going on right now. Before we talk about what are the ramifications of the impeachment uh, inquiry in the United States with the President Trump, and how can that reflect in Europe, tell me what is your analysis of the impeachment process going on right now?
1: Right, this is very political. The entire um, it's it's political and it's constitutional at the same point. Why is it constitutional? It's constitutional because the founders have been very, very careful about a ruler uh, respecting its allegiance to the United States, and and there are several points that the Democrats are making in in regards with that promise being breached, and there seems to be evidence showing uh, showing that kind of kind of behavior from from the meddling into Ukrainian affairs and trying to to get uh, information on a political arrival. Uh, There's also worries about the so-called emolument clause, um, president profiting illegally from the presidency. Now, I I do not like to comment about that because the proceedings are not about that point, but about something else. Why is it also political? Because we see... A big majority of the Republicans standing behind the president uh, being, uh, I think, all the way to 100 percent almost uh, loyal to the president. And, and, you know, the impeachment process is, is a political process in the end. And the uh, Senate will have to vote about it in, in great numbers. And, and those numbers aren't there yet. So this is where we are right now. Uh, I wonder if other revelations will come to the fore. Uh, I wonder if other information will maybe sway a part of those Republicans. But for the moment, uh, what I see is that the politics of it is more important than the constitutional argument, or that that party is winning, at least.
0: Now, for you, then, as an european, as some as a member of European Parliament, working in a delegation that has, uh, relation with United States, in the mechanical sense, is there any effects of the impeachment of the president going on right now in your work with this delegation?
1: Sure. It's, uh, I mean, we have a wide array of relations that are ongoing. Just ne- next week, I will meet Nancy Pelosi and a delegation of uh, members of Congress at an anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge, which will be in Bastogne uh, next week. And uh, our delegation will be present through its bureau, that the chairman and the two vice chairs. That's uh, Mr. Rodek Sikorski, myself and Mrs. Jackie Jones from, from Wales. So we will be there uh, present representing the European Parliament. And we will be, you know, conducting our, our work, trying to see what our priorities are so that we don't leave the entire relations hostage to, to one political event. At the same time, yes, it does affect our relations, um, including, um, you know, the possibility of, of the diplomats that are involved to act uh, and, and to be present and all that. And we, we really want to see maybe a conclusion of this process or, or something so that we can resume our, our regular regular relations because it's important
0: it is important and i will stay with that a little more because what you just mentioned you know to have things normal and and to work at least on a frame that you know that it's stable and doesn't have all this political turmoil right now uh, the um impeachment inquiry moved on to the house judiciary committee exactly uh, speaker pelosi uh, already mentioned that articles of impeachment will be uh, written Written and sent to the Senate. You just mentioned something that was really important, and that is the way that the Republican Party is standing behind the president. Do you think that once we're in the Senate and there's no conviction of the president for high crimes and misdemeanors, he will stay as president? How will this affect Europe in the future? I remember just not too long ago, and we can go into NATO and you know tariffs and all that stuff, but president just not too long ago say, well, I don't have any problem if ISIS fighters would go to Europe. So what do you think? Can, can things go even more uh, complicated and even more crazy?
1: No, I mean, uh, you know, we always have to remember, the, it's the Americans who choose the American president, it's not the Europeans who choose the American president. And we don't get a say about that. And uh, I'm open to working with whoever is the president of the United States and which, with, with both of the parties, obviously. So I, I don't, I'm not one of these people who will, you will hear uh, bad-mouthing Trump all the time. I'm, I don't see the point of that. It is a reality. He's the president of the largest nation, of the largest ally that we have. And, and uh, we are working with that. So I don't see it affecting it any more than it did, uh, the relation. Now, at the same time, we Europeans, we took some of those messages and we tried to, to take care of ourselves if, as much as we can. Uh, that is always a good lesson. I mean, we, you cannot rely just on external uh, partners for your security, for, for your well-being. And I think uh, our projects need to go ahead preferably with america on board but uh also you know for the sake of the european union by itself
0: so let's let's stay there for a little more you're just saying and rightfully so, I will work with whoever wants to work with us. One of those partners is the Republican Party. And as you mentioned, the Republican Party mostly is standing behind President Trump. It is, a, it
1: is a political calculation. You have to know that there's elections every two years in America. And, and Trump remains popular in many, many, many states in the United States especially in those those um, states that are are represented by republicans so it it is a political calculation in the end i don't think it's it's love really
0: mhm that's that's a very good that's a very good point that is a podcast on itself but what i was going to ask you is that the republic the members of the republican party that lead directly with you and with european union are they more into real politics and that is we know what's going on in the united states but we want to reinforce our uh, connections with europeans we want to work together or do you see some distance being uh, cultivated because what they see it's, their no, their president it's a doing?
1: common it's a common misconception people think that america uh, is just its president and it's not it's also its courts it's also its members of congress uh, courts are staying strong. i was just listening to another podcast before talking to you about um, About the number of cases on on immigration H 1b visa, you know for highly skilled workers is starting to be limited and and people are winning their rights to their visas in courts So the cards are still functioning regardless of the policy, you know mm-hmm. The United States is built on the principle of checks and balances and that thankfully uh, Still functions, which is great news uh, as regards members of Congress, we do not see a, a change in behavior in any way. If anything, after 2016, we have seen an increase of visits from members of Congress, mm. uh, a rather important increase, because uh, initially they were on reassurance visits saying NATO remains strong. I think the Senate passed the bill with a 100 to 0 majority on on, uh, right. on NATO and article five and all yes. that so those are those are clear messages uh, so I, I do not see uh, business as usual being affected of course by policy and presidential tweets and and comments and all that it does have an impact but uh, our, our counterparts as I said are, are more numerous more diverse and continue to be interested in Europe, regardless from the Democratic or Republican Party. Uh, I can give you an example. Joe Wilson is the the congressman for South Carolina, and he has a very keen interest in, in keeping a great relation. Uh, his state is also a state where many European companies invest, uh, such as BMW, Michelin, and others. I think recently Volvo is going to move there. So we continue to have a very strong uh, trade and uh, investment relation, and personally, I would like to bring uh, my fellow members of Congress back to the table on climate, because I believe we should lead together on that very important debate.
0: That You just read my mind, because that was something that I was getting ready to ask you, and that is also, we know all about President Trump uh, you know, having that executive order for the United States to leave the Paris uh, Agreement. But again, do you see people saying, all right, that happens in another track. I'm working with Europeans to make things better for the environment. We can do it locally. We can do it by cities. We can do it by states. So you are seeing that happening.
1: I am seeing that happening, especially from the states, from cities. There's an under two coalition being built. Many states in the United States are performing actually better than we are. Sure. Uh, that must be also said, uh, and but you have to remember, America is specific. They were never big fans of big international agreements, other than the Bretton Woods framework. You have to remember that even the League of Nations uh, was not ratified in the U.S. Senate. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, I do wish to bring America back to the table because the Paris format is great and important but i do want to bring america back to the table also on a bilateral level with the eu on on innovation on 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 developing new technologies on on all of that because if
0: china will lead on this sector
1: i don't think it's good for any any us
0: and i was asking because of that real politic aspect of it. Because, for example, in Portugal, we do have bilateral agreements with the United States about environment, about safety, about economic development, about green energy. So it can be done, and exactly like you were mentioning, the doors are open for collaboration. And also because we do know that eventually the political cycle will change and hopefully we'll have um, a democratic administration in the future. Which brings me to the next?
1: see, i don't I don't share that 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 oh, view. Please. The American people will choose will choose whichever side they want. Uh, I'm not rooting for one side or the other. Of course, we as liberals, we perhaps are closer to to the liberals in America, as the, the name says it uh but i think for us for the union in general we need to be a stable partner for whoever's in government over there absolutely i totally agree with you as long as they as long as they
0: stick to the to the common values that we we have
1: been sharing for so many decades
0: wonderful because that's exactly my fear and uh, i'm thankful that you have a more optimistic view than i have and that is the trumpification let's call it that way of the republican party um, I'm a little worried about it, but maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong and some uh, cooler heads prevail regardless of what political spectrum they'll come with it. So I'll share I'll share that that hope with you. Now I have another question for you and that is has to do with the fact that and you just mentioned that United States and senators and representatives they do work with Europeans closely to development. Of both sides and with uh, common interests but for example there was this shift with Ukraine now where we see a lot of representatives and a lot of senators saying that well maybe Ukraine did uh, meddle with the elections where definitely they didn't at least all the uh, intelligence agencies do that when I see that and then I see the inability of the president of the United States to criticize Russia do you have an opinion on that? Is something also that you've been following closely, or, or yes. again, you don't? All right, go ahead.
1: Now, just this week, uh, my colleague Roman Astrugari, who's an MEP from Romania, held a very interesting uh, conference on on um, on cybersecurity threats, hybrid warfare, and others with experts from from the Easter Partnership, and I was very interested to hear their opinion about this switch in rhetoric all of a sudden it was ukraine who has meddled in, in these affairs it was uh, trump who even spoke about this putin happily agreeing uh that is that is one statement i cannot accept i haven't seen proof to it and i think it's just uh, sending you on a, on on a wild goose chase trying to distract the attention from what the real problem is to to be quite frank, that that scares me. Uh, this this both these allegations and and the constant agreeing with Putin is something I'm not very happy about from this president.
0: Do you have any hypothesis how, why that happened, or is it something that you don't think about?
1: I. Couldn't possibly speculate more than, than perhaps uh, changing the, the topic of the discussion for a while.
0: Okay. Well, you're an MEP, so I, I do understand that you have to be uh, careful with your words. I have a lot of opinions, but people don't uh, plug into the podcast to listen to my opinions. But uh, we'll see um, if more information will come. Stay with that a little more, and that is uh, there is some work done with cybersecurity especially with the meddling of elections here in Europe, like France, like Netherlands, like Germany. On the same time, the United States is saying, or at least the President of the United States is saying, that he wants to make a, a joint venture with Russia to exactly combat uh, cybersecurity and cyber attacks. How do you see that? How is the European Union reacting to those kinds of developments?
1: I just don't know how that, that would work. Uh, when one of the main perpetrators is at the table, how do you make that work? I don't, I don't understand exactly.
0: Is there, is there any work that you've been following where some other members of Congress, for example, are talking with Europeans and say, hey, we noticed this, we noticed that. Same thing happened in in United Kingdom, like, for example, with Cambridge Analytica, with uh, Russian money flowing into European elections. Is that happening?
1: I mean, obviously, the five eyes format is still functioning and some other cooperation that is important is happening. Uh, not all is in the public eye, but I think it's the, the traditional NATO and and other formats, I think those should be kept, and and uh, I'm very skeptical about adding other people to the table, especially from the parties that have uh, that have been on the perpetrator side.
0: Well, that was going to be my last question to you, and that is, how do you see NATO? And we just, as we're recording this podcast, we just had the NATO meeting in London. There was this news that. Some of the members of, of NATO, while well, some of the leaders of the countries of NATOs had folders prepared in the case of the President of the United States, could say, at any moment during those meetings, United States, it's leaving NATO. They had their talking points ready. How do you see the future of NATO? Do you think that now things cooled off a little bit, and we're going to go into another cycle of uh, working together with no major problems?
1: No, I can see the problem still continuing, obviously. It's not it's not an easy uh, subject, but uh, when push comes to shove, NATO is the strongest military and security alliance in the world, and it has an interest to survive. So uh, from this realpolitik framework, I don't see it disbanding. Uh, I took the warnings from President Macron, I think he's he's right to to draw some some alarm signals. Uh, I think he wanted to perhaps uh, provoke a discussion and a uh, rethinking. Uh, but right now, I don't see any major de- uh, development with regards to the stability of this alliance.
0: Well, that's good. That's reassuring news. One last thing, then. That- I mean.
1: Many of these things that, are, that get picked up by the press are elements of decorum, are elements of, of who said what off the mic, uh, etc. And that's, that's never what actually gets discussed in these meetings. Those are just um, flowery details that make, make the discussion more important. <laughs> nobody, nobody reports on the joint statement that was signed at the end and what it contains and all that, which in the end is what, what will drive policy.
0: See, this is the inside knowledge we need in this podcast to have uh, people that know how these things work and what is important. Now, one last thing, and that is November of 2020. We're not into the prediction business, we just saw what happened in 2016 both with the uh, referendum in the United Kingdom with the elections for the Presidency of the United States. But what do you think could happen in November 2020? Do you think that there could be um, a peaceful transition of power, do you think there will be too many problems after the elections regardless of the results are? Do you think that if the President of the United States loses the elections, we we can have a, a, like a really complicated situation. Do you have any crystal ball that you can tell us what you're seeing?
1: Well, I think the, the elections are very, very tight. They're tight on the democratic race. They're going to be even tighter on the national scene. So I, I cannot predict who will win. I think always the incumbent president has a good chance to, to win. But I see some great candidates coming from the Democratic side, and I think uh, he will definitely have a very, very tough, um, tough challenge. Important is always in America how the economy will be next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard on the radio this morning that the SNAP program—that's that's a social program uh, for for the less privileged—that that's basically. Um, money for food, for the less privileged. That, that, that's that been cut. Uh, I don't think uh, Trump is losing any of his supporters uh, by doing that, uh, but w- winning even more praise from, from the tax-cutting, um, uh, let's say, center-right or right community. Um, so it all depends on the economy. It will depend uh, on the security level. I dare to even say for the first time in the history of the United States, after perhaps El Gore, uh, climate change will play an important role in the election. So whoever speaks about that will score some points, I think, mm-hmm. uh, just because, uh, because I think we will see more and more of the effects until then, unfortunately. And, and then people will, will start realizing and, and, uh, and coming to the polls being driven by the issue.
0: Yeah, especially young voters, so looking forward for that. Well, listen, Nico, it was a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you so much for the work you do in the environment also and having a good relationship with our friends from the United States of America. I really commend your work, and I hope to have you back on the podcast soon so that we can continue this conversation.
1: Ricardo, this was great. I hope uh, your listeners on the European Liberal Forum are interested in these subjects keep coming keep coming back Uh, send us questions we're very happy to answer i'm i'm looking forward to our european-wide liberal conversation
0: awesome i will put the contacts for nico in the description of the podcast for now i'm going to say bye to nico and hope to talk to you soon obviously follow
1: us on facebook instagram everywhere we're present thanks a lot for having me on the show
0: I'm back and I would just like to remind you that now we are also on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and please leave us a review, give us a five-star rating, help us promote our podcast and with that more liberal values and ideas. And this is all for now but I'll be back soon with more podcasts until then let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast It's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any use that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.